In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh. And my pal, who's just sporting a thousand pouches in giant weaponry and has blades for fingers, is the one, the only. I'm a 90s girl in a 90s world. Travis Ratz is fantastic. <laughs> Travis Ratz and Josh here for the podcast where we talk about graphic novels or trades or on an episode like this one for comic exposure, we call it a variant edition, and we kind of go into some nerd subject, either something that's going on right now, or something that we want to talk about and explore. And on this week's variant, we are having a timely discussion about '90s comics. I don't think I don't think anyone <laughs> in the nerd culture verse has ever had a dared to step dared. back to the '90s. And talk about the state of comic books. I think I think we are treading completely we, new yes. ground here. I don't two think we. White, I'll tell you, two this. white guys with a podcast talking about '90s comics. Has I don't never think happened. we've ever done this on this podcast before. I don't think we ever mentioned like. Oh, I don't think we ever referenced no, a '90s comic no. book whatsoever. Ever, never. Uh, so on. Oh, what was our this... first episode uh, about profit and the profit? remake yeah. of it? Okay, it was okay, a remake sorry. of a '90s I take, comic. I take yeah. everything back. Take it all back. Uh, so Travis and I was. So we are reading for the show. We read Local Man, which is an image comic that is kind of a throwbacky exploration of 90s image comics in a mm. weird way. Uh, and so we thought before we talked about that episode, we'd talk about 90s comic and 90s comics and image and kind of what that meant to us at the right age and, and kind of what we think about all of that now. Right. What a game um, comics, good and yeah. bad, like, and for good or, or for bad, what is its legacy now? Yeah. So local man that we're going to read, uh, that we're going to talk about next, next episode, uh, was written by Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks. They both write, they both draw it. They do take different parts of it and really explores this idea of a former nineties superhero who now finds himself back home living with his parents. And it has a lot of 90s throwbacky stuff in it, in the story. And so I thought, you know, we thought, let's talk about 90s comics and image comics and just, just kind of start. So Travis, what I want to start with, mm-hmm. I think is an important question. What do you remember about image? What are like your, what are your memories of those comics Kind of just your initial thoughts about them when you well, were a kid. I'll, I'll tell you what, like uh, I was born in 84. And so we have to take in the first years where I couldn't read for a good portion of the 80s. Could not read for a good portion of the 80s. That's a weird thing to say as an adult. But for yeah, most, yeah. most of the 80s, I was illiterate. You couldn't read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Reagan in some ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so uh, really at the end, uh, uh, of course like a lot of people, comic books were one of the things that when I started reading actually helped me become a better reader. And I remember going in there, I remember looking at all like the Conan comics and being like, oh, this looks so cool. But like you open it up, you know, like I don't understand all these words. And 
So it's a slow process. So I really probably started reading comic books in the like 89, 90, 91. And uh, through the JCPenney catalog, you could pay like 15 bucks and they would send you like 50 floppy like a, issues. Yeah like, a, yeah, like a random stack of them. Yeah. And I remember yeah. I'd ask for that every Christmas. So I get like 50 floppies of Christmas. And of course, being a young reader it would take me almost a year to read those 50 comics, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of how I got into comics. But I think... With Image, and I don't know how many people have this experience. Uh, I had a uh, a family friend. I didn't have. I grew up in a place where I didn't really have cousins or things like that. But we had uh, family friends who had kids that were older than me. And uh, I'll say the name because I don't think he's listening, and I don't think it's going to matter. He's not incriminated in politics or anything like that. But this guy, this kid named Brian Dieselhorse, was three years older than me. And uh, he's a family friend. Is, it, is that his wrestling name? Yeah, is it that sounds his like wrestling? Diesel yeah. Horse. It, it does sound diesel, like yeah. that's a that's I didn't even realize that, but Diesel yeah. Horse. <laughs> like he just comes out of the ring, throws two hands up, <laughs> behind him. Yeah. Oh, he's giving him the Diesel Horse um, <laughs> from the top rope. Um, so uh, I remember one summer I came in, and I was he was always the cooler older kid, right? Yeah. And so I think one summer I feel like I, I had read enough comics that I was going to come in the summer and be on the same page with them. I had read X-Men, the X-Men cart animated series had just come out. I was all caught up on the caught up on the first season. So I was like ready to sit down. And when I met Brian that summer, we were going to talk about X-Men comics, Jim Lee and all that stuff like that. To my chagrin, when I <laughs> wanted to talk about X-Men, he wanted to talk about weird new titles that had come out that summer, like Cyberforce and Wildcats and Gen 13 We're and talking, Wetworks. Yeah, and 1992, was like, 93, Yeah, 94, and I yeah. was like, whoa, 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 hold on, Brian. What, what, about, what about Psylocke? What about Iceman? He's like, no, dude. What about we've Mojo? Got, we've got Savage the Dragon. Yeah, and like already, just when I thought I got caught up to like cool comics culture, I was already behind because that, of course, was the year where these creators from uh, Marvel had split off and Liefeld and uh, all these guys had split off and created Image Comics and launched their own books. And that was the hot thing in comics that summer. And the number ones were there and they like different covers. And I remember sitting in a house in Arizona on summer vacation and he was showing them to me. And when I say showing, meaning like I could not touch these comics because they were number ones. So yeah. I was being shown Cyberforce and Wildcats. Right. And and it was also kind of like we were in a different room. Like this was not around the adults. Because there was a sense that we shouldn't be looking at these things. <laughs> so that was my first yeah. entree into Image was through a, a kid who was three or four years older than me. We both like comics, but he was always a yeah. step ahead. And we were looking at something that the rest of the world wasn't quite, quite hip to yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm two years older than you, right? So 1992 hits, I'm 10 years old, image comics come out. I had been reading comic books probably for, I don't know, probably a year or two. If I, if I think about like 
when I was getting into comics and, and all these events that were taking place and stuff like that. And um, my dad, there was a comic shop by my dad's work. And I know I've talked about this before on the show, but he would go in and he would get books. And my dad and I were, were like baseball card guys, right? So we would collect, we would collect baseball cards. And so Jelly Beans was a the name of the store, Jelly Beans Comics and Cards, right? And so this is when everybody thought you could make money off of comic comic books and all this other stuff. Oh, right? you 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 had card sleeves for sure, right? Oh, for yeah, yeah. No, I had boxes of complete sets of Fleer football cards and like yeah, crack, I crack it crack a card set. Yeah, man. I had I had all that stuff. And so um my dad would go into the shop and then they got him like, I really like comic books. And when image dropped, I had every image number one because the comic shop guys were like, no, John, you got to go get the, you got to get these for your son. You got to collect these. They're going to be worth something. Right. So I had all of those. I had young blood one wildcats, savage dragon, um, shadow Hawk, gen 13, like spawn. I had all of those number ones to like, taste test and go, Ooh, I like this one. I like this one. I had Max and Pitt and all of these books. And to me, it was so different. They looked different, even though these were artists who were like, you know, Marvel artists or DC artists, right? When you think of like Jim Lee and stuff like that, yeah, right? McFarlane had done Spider-Man and their styles, but there was something that felt so different about the image comic. Piece well, of it, right? there was a buzz around these books as kids we couldn't understand because we weren't like maybe watching the news in that way and and things like that. But it was it was global news and more from the standpoint of an economic standpoint, right? The fact right. that that you you had these artistic medium, which is basically run by two large companies at that point, and their yeah. talent, the best, the best though. By best, I mean top selling talent of the time was like, right. we don't like the way you're treating us. So the world took notice of them as almost like a union thing, right? It became like right, yeah. the sense of, hey, what happens when you're, uh, you know, I'm putting this in wrong union terms, but your, your workers, your talent is out punching the, the leadership and the, right. the pay and stuff like that. And so it wasn't just, Image wasn't just founded in the sense of like, oh, here's a new comic company. It was a new paradigm of how artists and writers would get treated and have ownership. And it was about ownership and creativity. And so there was this, this really cool excitement built around not just the, oh, what are they going to come up with? But these guys are rebels. I remember that, of course, the famous yeah. Levi's commercial with like yeah, Liefeld, yeah. where it's like, I'm a rebel, guys. Check out yeah. these jeans. I also, th- I also think like there was something about like being able to jump on to an honest number one comic, right? Like a real number one, not the third or fifth or 17th time that they'd rebooted superman or batman but this was literally you were coming in number one everything was new the you world were in it. didn't exist yes yet. and so it was like i mean i think it's part of like finding and finding punk rock you know four years later just stumbling upon like hey no one is 
And then really, like, everybody well, it, was buying it, I, comics, you know what, right? it, but, Honestly, it does co- coincide with the release of Dookie pretty closely, <laughs> which is yeah, like, think- this world existed, but not in this, like, not for you guys that we're going to put out here. You know? Yeah. And so I'm I'm literally looking at some of these early issues right now while we're having this conversation. And uh, the and I think the thing that really sticks out is everything was made in a way that felt mature, especially you were just talking about it, like being that eight year old or that that nine year old when when an older boy, you know, you know, an older kid was showing you this stuff. And look, the depiction of women in these 90s books, not not good, problematic, right? problematic but when you're a, when you're a 10 year old boy like i was and you see like oh those those bikini bottoms are cut awfully high right josh <laughs> like, i am women I'm, don't I'm, yeah. bodies don't move this way but i can somehow see her butt and her boobs at the same time it was this big thing for like as young men this was these books were written with a 10 to 14 year old in mind right right well, because like, at, at that point, like, well, w- and what what image does and this takes it in a whole different direction is yeah, uh, and maybe we can step back and not go here. Um, is this is the moment when image comes in where people stop writing comic books for kids, and yeah. and the thing that like Jim Lee and Liefeld and and Larson, uh, what they all did is they treated kids as older, like they treated young kids as older, but then they treated adult men like kids. Like, yes, they brought young kids up to puberty and they brought old adults down to puberty. Yes. You know, like that, that was the defining factor is 14 became the targeted area. So if you were eight, you're like, I'm an adult. I'm reading yeah, oh my I'm, god you know, yeah. there's like, i'm a teenager there's cleavage right? yeah. here and if you were 28 you're like oh my god i'm 14 again <laughs> I, I i agree with you on that it really felt like that and i think but then when we think about like some of the other so what we get and i think that really comes out of books like wildcats and young blood and those Liefeld books feel and i guess spawn feels that way too um Spawn was a standout. We can say that right now. It was was kind of different than what these other books are. And then also, in particular, what the book next week we're going to be talking about is focusing on. Right, right. And and it feels feels like this sort of thing like, uh, you know, Spawn... We went back and we read Spawn Volume 1. Do you remember that episode? We went back and and read it. And you probably don't. Vaguely. vaguely. Uh, Malabolia. Because we couldn't have a hard... We had a hard time pronouncing Malabolia, which is... I don't... (laughs) Yeah. But I went back and I remember we read it. And I remember like, oh man, this doesn't hold. Like it doesn't hold up because I'm not... I'm not wishing I was 14 as a 10-year-old. Or I'm not wishing I was more mature. And then the story being pretty infantile to be 41 in reading it. Right. Or when, however old I was like 38 or whatever, when we read it. Um, and it's this thing where I think what we're doing in this thing, I think positive out of it is this idea that we're giving creators the ability to, to build their own characters and own their own characters. And then when you own your own character, you know, I think this is a very punk rock thing, right? When you own it, you care more about it. You're going to take care of it. You're going to be more creative. You're going to you're going to try new things. And so I think that's what we get out of here, out of this '90s image boom that then turns into you know Valiant Comics 
has its mini kind of, you know, thing happen to yeah. it. And then you get, you know, all of these other dark horse kind of gets some, some, some legs under it. And all these people start going, Hey, let's try some new things. Well, we're right? not, and we're not going to talk to you. I, I agree with you completely. And we're not going to talk to you guys about the history of image comics. I mean, no. one, there are uh, better documentaries and books documentaries and, on it. Yeah. But so I want to approach you with, with this, yeah. Josh. Has there been a time in your life uh, as an adult reader of comics where you have gone back and really had disdain now looking back at those comics, those 90 comics where you're like, what the freak was going on there? Or like, um, that was such a bummer to it. Has that, have you ever gotten really down on that? We, we just talked about the time that we were all in, like, we're like, oh yeah, this is, I'm an adult. And like, uh, yeah. Has there ever been you know, a time where you looked back at that and been like, uh, yeah, uh, that's not good art or that's not good. <laughs> well, storytelling? I think, I think, Yes, right. But I don't think in a way that I think it 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 served this purpose in the 90s. I think we come out of and, and look, I think comics end up being this thing that are always just a little bit behind everything else. Right. Because they're the writers are responding to what's in popular culture. So when you look at something like these 90s comics, they feel very much like a response to 80s action movies and Baywatch. Right? Right. So, but they're a response to 80s action movies. So you think like we're making everybody ends up being commando. Everybody ends right. up being, you know, uh, uh, Schwarzenegger, you know, Stallone. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Go. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of doing that. But because it's the medium of comic books, we can take it to the nth degree. Right. right? You can take what was popular with the X Men and because of everything that happened in the 80s with sort of like muscle culture and violence in movies and things like that, well, then you just ratchet up comic right. books, right? And so I I don't look back at it and go like, oh, man, this. I look back at it and see it as a, as a, a distinct product of its time, mm-hmm. right? It's a reflection of other media around it. And because it's comic books, you get to turn it to 11. That's what comic books do. Well, what's interesting, you when, know? You, when you look back at, yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, when you look back at that and we look at where comics are today and you think about who were the rebels who broke off and did that, they were all artist focused, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of them did write and draw for, for Marvel, but they were primarily making their reputation off of their art. Yeah. Um, so you got to see this kind of, even though we didn't think of it at the time, a weird experiment of like, Hey, what happens when the artists break away from the writers? Yeah. And it's, and it's all about the art form and less about the storytelling. Right. Right. And you saw those, if you have any of those early image, number one, number two, number threes, they, they're of one thing they're it's, light on is dialogue. It's splash page, man. Like it's yeah. these big set pieces it's like the death of superman over and over again (laughs) yeah and so they're they're showing off those talents and i don't there's i have nothing against that i think that's i think that's a an interesting way to do it um and i and i applaud it but then to go back at it now i mean i'm not a it doesn't it doesn't sit the way that i that i that i go back and read other comics right and i go like oh yeah right like Mm-hmm. I think those things that I read in the 90s, when I go back and read them, 
they don't hold the same for me um, as they did then. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you look at something like the Dark Knight Returns, right? Uh, yeah. Where heavy dialogue, heavy storytelling on there. The art, you, you really do have, maybe have to question like, how good is the, it's iconic now, but yeah. how good but, is the art yeah. as compared to the story? And there is maybe not a lesson, but something to to look at when it comes to what ages better art or story um, of its time period. Because yeah. even though Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, art is very dated and maybe even at the time was a little bit subpar to some of the, the Kirby-esque house stuff that's going on there is different. Yeah. But the story el- seems to, when looking in the past, seems to kind of elevate the art where all of a sudden the art being yeah. like, well, I mean, it was of the time. Right, we don't. Right, we right. don't look at image comics of '91. I guess we do, um, and say, "Oh, that's very '90s image art. It's very, like, very of the time." Uh, but the story is crap, you know. But I, but I think it's like very so. And then what I think happens is this image boom happens, and then, or really, it starts with Liefeld and you know, Jim Lee and the X-Men and X-Force and all that stuff. And then that, that kind of leaks in and then image blows up and that leaks into every other nineties comic, right? Like Superman, Superman dies. He comes back. He gets the mullet. We, you know, he becomes electric. Yes. There's, there's one point, there's one Superman storyline where he doesn't have his powers yet. Right. Like mullet Superman doesn't have his powers. And so he has like machine guns, Right. Right. Superman with machine guns. And then you've got kind of, you can think of Batman getting his back broken and he's replaced by Azrael. And Azrael has the big metal claws and yeah. the do you robot remember, suit do you and remember pouches. X-Man? Like he came out, no. Age, I think Age of Apocalypse is kind of like Marvel's like Hail Mary, like uh, let's redesign all our characters in a little bit more image way, but like for the summer. Uh, <laughs> Age of Apocalypse, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there was a character that came out of that called X-Man, and he very much was like the pockets and things and the head, yeah. the head socks. and Yeah, it, it ends up being this big thing where all of these characters start to really... Homog- homogenize, like, yeah. Right. Everybody gets musclier. Everybody gets more weapons. Everybody's powers become more deadly and more violent which um, is dope which was is dope oh, to a yeah. certain degree man like in, in i'm not even talking about a small dose i'm talking about give me a good dose of that well i but, think like you think of your favorite book you know you know if you think of like your favorite comic book travis rats what's your favorite series it's, i mean preacher right and preacher is not 90s image no. right it's not that but it ends up, it's that sensibility of let's write comics that are more mature. But I think what a book like Preacher does is it has a story focus and not just an art focus, right? The art's very good in it, right? Um, well, but- it was, it was a, a writer who generated the idea and then attached a artist to it and like helped right. divide it up there. Whereas these were artists who are like, Okay, so here's my idea for our first book. Okay, it's a son, like someone is banished to hell. Okay. Right. Look at this. <laughs> God but, isn't like kind. 
Right. So you think of this happening in 92, 93, 94, Preacher's in 1996, right? So is Preacher a response to that violence in the image comic boom? But like, okay, we're going to take this, the aesthetic of being over the top and taking it to 11, but we're, it's, it's written by a real writer. Right. Well, so it's, it's actually, that's a fantastic question, Josh. I never thought about it that way. I I don't think Preacher could exist without Cyberforce and Wildcats and Spawn. Spawn, right? Like I, I, you're right because what happens is DC, DC's response to that is what they're doing with Vertigo, right? right? So when you look at those books that are coming out in Vertigo in the '90s, it's like DC's sort of like adult line of comics. Um, without it being, you know, uh, you know, trying, trying to do it in a way, I think that was writer focused. Right. Right. And so Wildcats and Spawn and, and that being more artist focused, right. A way for artists to show their over the top violence and stuff like that. Then I think you get a different version of that with Vertigo, where it's that same I think the mentality of let's make a more mature book. Let's make a book that speaks not to eight-year-olds, right? I would say that Preacher, you know, runs that line probably more mature than Wildcats, right? More mature than, right? They're aiming for, where I think Image, those comic books are aiming at 14. I think Vertigo's aiming at... 18, right? 16, 18, right? Um, And there's a big difference in in my late twenties and thirties, it, it is preachers juvenile. Obviously. That's what you had to hang up on yeah. it because you, yeah. you didn't read it till you were in your thirties and you're like, Oh, this is feeling it. But because I had already, you know, inoculated myself, I was right. like, no man, this is adult shit. And you're like, no, this is 18 shit. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like that's what we get from this nineties comic book thing is this sort of exploration of like, you know, what is, appropriate right you think of everything at this time we think of like the music industry in the 80s and 90s and having to put you know explicit lyric things on it and every tipper gore in the in the hearings in the senate about that and then you get the same thing video games get that same thing happens to them in the 90s as well like we got to start rating video games where you start to see the removal of the spinner racks yeah, more and more from stores. I mean, I mean, economically, there's a reason, but also like visually, optically, it's like yeah. you like you're putting Gen thirteen issues on a spinner rack at the checkout at your local Piggly Wiggly in Montana. Well, like that's the thing. I like seriously, I still have this page up of the Wildcat covers, and there's a Wildcat cover that's you know um, Wildcats number ten. And it's just butt cheeks, man. Like it's just butt cheeks and the side of her boob. And, you know, it's just this, you know, Jim Lee is like, hey man, check out the butts I can draw. Like that's what I feel what like. Was, what he's... was it? Witch blade? Which blade? Witch blade. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so like I'm let's just looking at these wildcat covers, and it's all cleavage you and thighs that. and butts. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just and I will tell you this, and not in a good way, and this is something this. All right, so this stuff hits around puberty, right? And I think that, yeah. I, and I, I don't think I'm the first person. I think like psychologists would say this is like you kind of lock in as as a, a biological male 
to the things around you when your plumbing starts plumbing, right? <laughs> and then those create grooves in your mind. Like, and that's how like kind of fetishes are born stuff like that and stuff and things like that. And it, it's so weird because there is something like I'm, I'm a mature 39 year old man. Like I'm, you know, you go out looking for a partner. You're not looking for like uh, thongs and ass cracks and, and these things, but you also look at now what the, the last 15, 20 years is the aesthetic of what popular ideal image of a woman is. And then yeah. you, you flip back to what the nineties were like, Oh no, like, Women think that some of the women think that men believe the ideal image is this body type, which if you put up against 90s comics is like this, like a Kim Kardashian <laughs> is like all she's crafting her body to be. It feels some ways you're like, this is Witchblade. Yeah, I, I think I think like there's this there's this piece of me who goes like, I understand the impact. I don't think I could go back and read and enjoy most of these, right? I'm curious about Savage Dragon. That's the one that I. Didn't I, I really this is read. why we've never done. I, I, I dug into Savage Dragon, but I think it's. I think you're in the same territory. This yeah. is why we we haven't really gone back and did that. We did that with Spawn, and we got a little bit of taste of it. We're like, let's start off with what probably is probably. I don't. I don't know, Travis. Longest. Maybe maybe next summer we'll do '90s Image Summer. If we did we'll it, you read. know what I would? Oh my god! Because I would love to go check out some old Danger Girls again. Remember Danger Girl? Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. So I, Scott, I think, Scott uh, Campbell. So, so to sort of wrap up this this conversation because it's leading us to what we're we're reading next week or what we're talking about next week with Local Man, and I think you know it is a. I part of me wants to go back and read this stuff to inform what I read in Local Man a little more. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to go back and read it without like a good reason to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about this next week. I'm the same way. Like I was like, Ooh, I remember this stuff. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Like I, there, I want to like in the back of my mind, I want to see how much I remember. So it, there is a part of me that wants to go no, read young that's, blood. That's because wild local man's a good writer. Yeah. I know, right? So <laughs> let's. So well, it, let, it, let's just. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm about to start dipping into to, yeah. to that. So I, I think for us, the the big thing that we see come out of the '90s is this. You know, it's both this response to. I mean, '90s comics are a response to '80s media, right? And then because it's comics, you you turn it up a little more. And then because now that comics look like that, now then the next batch of media is a response to that because in the nineties, those comic books were so big, yeah. right? They got so huge that then comic books are feeding that popular culture again. Yeah. Right. So we think about early comic books feeding popular culture when you get the Batman serials and the Superman serials and, and, you know, mighty mouse and all of those things because of superhero comics, then comics kind of like, dissipate in the in the in the pop circles because tv and movies become larger right yeah and then i think then i think you see that pendulum swing because the 90s are this reaction to 80s media and then comic books become this giant thing again that drives media yep and i think we're in that again 
right? There's that low in comic books when the industry almost falls apart in 2000s, right? And then Image has another comic book boom. Marvel comes back. The Walking Dead is one of the biggest shows on TV. You have this thing where now media is a reflection of comics again. Because mm-hmm. comics took something, took something in popular culture, the horror genre, the zombie genre, that thing, turned it up to 11, mm-hmm. did some great storytelling with it. And then the media is like, well, hey, let's do this now. So I think we're seeing this cycle over and over again where comics are comics are a response to like media is a response to comic books. Media leaves comics behind. Comics reflect media and amp it up. And then media is like, oh, crap, we can do that, too. Right. So it's this cycle that I think we keep seeing over and over again with with comic books, either. It, taking a lead, taking taking something from from popular media and then turning it up. So you saw me writing furiously. Your yeah. your comment there inspired a question in me that I was about to ask you, but I was like, I think this is a good enough question that we're gonna save because I think we could do a whole podcast on this. Okay, so you tell me, right. or, or if not, you can just answer it. Yeah. What, what decade of comics would you most want to be a teenager growing up in, and like Ooh. why? Right, so that's a good one. Yeah, and I think I, I can ask this question. You can answer right now. Yeah, but I also think we can stretch this taffy out and like do some research <laughs> and come up with a good argument. This might be a good uh, a variant in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, that might be a good discussion we, for a variant where we talk about like we think about the decades. Like, hey, if you're going to be a teenager, what's what's the best decade to grow up in comics for you? I like that. I like that. that's a good um, question. Let's let's sit that let's sit that one to chill. Let's let yeah. that one let's let that one marinate, and it. we'll come back to it. All right, folks. Travis, any last words before we wrap this episode? No, I am. I am. I'm dying to pull the trigger on on some talking more image, which we're going to do next yeah. episode in local man. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find the show over at ComicExposure.com, your favorite podcast, your favorite podcast app. Like us, rate us, review us, whatever they ask you to do on that app. Tell your grandma, tell your aunt, tell your uncle, tell your best friend who you read comic books with to listen in. And uh, we'll see you next trade. <laughs>